What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com. It is the NFL strategy show matchups edition. One might call it the marathon matchups edition presented by our lovely sponsor prize picks. And well, we got 11 games today. We got a lot to break down and uh, well, uh, buckle your seat belts because we're happy to have you along for the ride. It'll be a long one. Won't be a bumpy one, but it's going to be a long, comfortable ride. I'm Dave Lockren at Lafayette underscore D on the Twitters. Hit your boy up and say hello to Matt Savoca at Draftaholic on Twitter and and newly minted NBA content provider going to be joining us on NBA Live before lock tonight. So definitely check that out. This man has no problem throwing his hat into numerous rings. And uh, well, hopefully, Matt, meeting set what it, we, we want players that are in line with salary-based expectations tonight, but we'll start here with the NFL world. That's right. That's right. Uh, you let the cat out of the bag doing two sports today for the first time here at Osmo. But first, we got 11 games on this slate. And shout out to everyone in chat on YouTube right now talking about their pre-show rituals here. We got some good ones. People, of course, grabbing their coffee. Some people saying they got their trail mix. Their cigars, their blunts are rolled. <laughs> where legal, of course. Yeah, whatever you need to get through these next hour and half an hour and a half, two hours, get it now because we are about to buckle into this pretty great slate. So here's the best part. No, Ron, this is not the Pat McAfee show. And I, I'd love to say it's better, but Pat McAfee just does a phenomenal show. I mean, seriously, that guy does. It's a different show, though. We're providing you with information to win money this upcoming week. One might say that's more valuable. But, yes, Pat McAfee show is pretty fantastic. Shout out to him. Not that I know him or that he's going to watch this. But if you do, great <laughs> show, Pat. Uh, yeah, look, I, I love all of that. El Negro Loco coming in. Spencer. I'm a Tulsa dog got the trail mix, like you said. Um, Spencer's <laughs> got my IV bag ready, full of coffee. <laughs> Huge beats. Just finished stretching. I'm ready. This is a thing now, man. This is a thing. So, well, it is good... a marathon. So, you got to stretch. Great, great thought there. But the good thing is, right, that if you are, you know, somebody that has a demanding occupation or career, Matt, right? Or you have other things you like to do throughout the week, or you have a family that you have to tend to and all of that. If you sit back, whether it's live on this show or maybe tonight or Friday or Saturday or even early Sunday morning, this is all you need. Hey, I, that's what we're planning to do here. What's That's what we're trying to do. Every single game, we're going to break down every fantasy relevant player and yes, as they are saying in the chat, you may hear me talk about salary-based expectations once or twice. Well, hit that thumbs up if you guys haven't done so yet. You know we love you. We're happy to have you with us. And, uh, well, it's a lot more fun to do these shows. We get as many viewers as we do, like you guys, before or after the fact. Makes a big difference. And, uh, well, you know, combating the YouTube overlords one show at a time, fighting that algorithm, trying to get a piece of the pie here in the DFS world. So much appreciated to those of you that have already done it and will do that. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, we just crossed 65,000 much appreciated. And uh, well, 70 K here we come. We're going to get there soon. And if you want to join, hit join down below the thumbs up, get the custom emojis, some very cool ones. We got to get one for you, Matt too. Definitely got to get one for you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's get on that. I just got the wrench. Yeah. Moving slowly here. You'll get, we'll get, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Things <laughs> in the works. You get the badges that only look cooler over time the longer you're with us. 
the custom shout outs and uh, always prioritize your questions and comments when you have them. And last thing before we get started, Matt, I want to say happy Veterans Day to all of our vets. Thank you for serving this wonderful country. I got the flag back. That's a sick wooden flag. Matt finished, looks sexy as hell. But uh, yeah, appreciate all of you and uh, happy Veterans Day. We're working though, providing the world with a little entertainment and knowledge. So what do you say we dive into this? Let's dig in. Let's do it. All right. Kick it off with Atlanta and Dallas. Thank you, Clayton, um, with this, for the Super Chat. I really need to exceed my bankroll-based expectations this week. Please help. <laughs> That's awesome. Appreciate you, man. Atlanta and the Dallas Cowboys. High, high total here. Nine and a half point spread. Dallas, obviously, big dog or big favorite, sorry, at home. 54 and a half point total. Highest on the slate, uh, especially on these 1 p.m. games. But it's a weird one, Matt, because you've got the Falcons coming off of a win in or in New Orleans, which was wildly impressive. Even if Trevor Simeon was was the, the quarterback for the Saints, they got that win on a uh, on a game or on a game winning kick. Uh, sorry, field goal as time expired. And then Dallas was down 30 and nothing inside the Jerry Dome. Don't let the final score score fool you. At no point was that game competitive across 60 minutes but it hasn't made an impact on the betting lines. And I'm here to say that it really shouldn't. Uh, it's been a weird season, volatile, ton of parody in the NFL. I expect a high scoring affair and I'm not really worried that the Cowboys forgot how to score points with Dak Prescott at the helm. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. The first thing you noticed is essentially that Vegas has given Dallas a mulligan after last week's trouncing by the Denver Broncos in Dallas. As you said, it was really surprising to me, but once again, we have Atlanta coming in, and it's still a 10-point favorite right now. That huge total implies that Dallas is going to have one of the easiest days offensively of any team. So I guess I'm going to go with Vegas here. I'm actually a little surprised, to be honest, and I wonder if the line should actually be a little bit closer. Basically, we just saw the floor from the range of outcomes for this Dallas offense, but maybe the ceiling really hasn't changed at all. The one thing I will say, though, is Ezekiel Elliott did come back into the game after being injured, but he certainly doesn't look 100%. That giant ice bag on his leg as the second half started, probably just waiting for swelling to go down, but still swelling for a running back is not something I'm thrilled about. So normally I'd say all systems go for a player like Elliott, huge favorite at home, but the injury status does make me a little bit wary. Let's talk a little bit about the Falcons here. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to this team and it comes to, you know, researching them, I like to look at these props. And one thing that stood out to me was our projection compared to where the props on Matt Ryan's completions sit at. Now I went over to odd shopper and I'm looking at this over 24 and a half completions. DraftKings has the best bet because we aggregate all of that and show you in your state where the best bet is. And you just click a button and you're there over 24 and a half at minus one Oh five. Usually these props minus minus one fifteen. you know, at best minus minus one ten. There's minus one Oh five. We have them projected for 27.9 completions. That is a big, big margin between what the books have and what we have. We have at a 68% win rate. Uh, expected win rate, 37% expected ROI. I, I already hit this prop early in the week because I think it's going to change. Um, and I use this as an opportunity to get there. But we've got Matt Ryan projected for essentially 28 completions 
uh, in a game that has a monster total and they are huge dogs on the road. Yeah, he's definitely going to have to pass if this game plays out anything like the Vegas total implies that it will. And, you know, we did see Matt Ryan get up past 40 pass attempts, but over the last two weeks, yeah, the game script has been part of it, but it has been back down. 27 pass attempts against Carolina, 30 against New Orleans in week nine. Again, you expect him to have to pass more in this matchup than those because of the Dallas offense. But as we saw, it's not necessarily 100% guaranteed that the Dallas offense shows up. Do I think they have a bounce back performance here? Yes. Does Vegas imply that most people think that? Also, yes. Hey, Conscious, welcome to the team, man. I was hidden under the pin message. Uh, welcome to Team Awesome, my brother. I just, uh, the badge looks pretty solid on you, fella. But yeah, I think the whole Atlanta team is, is interesting this week because obviously you want to go to, to some Dallas, no doubt. We both think that they, sh they still have, we know they still have a high ceiling. What about guys like Cordero Patterson? who has been getting a lot of production out of the passing game. Yeah, I'm going to have Cordero Patterson a lot this week in DFS. And that's another player where I was looking at Odd Shopper at his props. And, you know, in, in a DFS format where it's full PPR, you really like Patterson because of his receiving floor. And sure enough, we're seeing the over on his receptions prop is one of the highest expected win rates on our player props tool right now. But... The under on his 41 and a half rushing yards is also pretty high up there in expected win rate. So we're looking at a hybrid player. We know that about Cordero Patterson. Basically, the carries and the running back status for him is sort of extra for me because we know he's going to get six to 10 targets within this Atlanta offense. So when the game script is right, like when they're playing the Dallas offense, you want Cordero Patterson because you have touchdown equity and you have receiving that helps with floor and ceiling. I will definitely be there uh, at 6,600 on DraftKings. Absolutely. He's the running back 10 right now in our projections. It's also insanely unusual that we have someone projected for a reception and a half north of their actual prop. So, right. That's huge. I like that a lot. Um, I get in on these props early in the week. You, you have to, it, like when they come out, because they will move and, and it doesn't take a lot of money to move them either. So, you know, those are good spots for sure. That's Odd Shopper, by the way, oddshopper.com. If you guys want to get a look at that, it's free and awesome. And we use it all the time. It's one of those tools that I actually use daily, both in research and to place bets. So without Ridley, you've got Pitts, you've got Gage. We already talked about Patterson. Where do Gage and Ridley or, and Pitts fall into the mix for you? Because the tight end position, man, it's been so unpredictable this season. Darren Waller's target share has come down following the first couple of weeks. Travis Kelsey recently has been wildly inconsistent. Uh, Pitts had two 20-plus fantasy point performances sandwiched in between four single-digit fantasy point performances. Um, George Kittle was hurt, but he's coming off a big game. TJ Hawkinson started the season hot, but he's been super quiet. I could go down the list, Matt. It has been a really rough position, and that's really no exception this week when you look at the tight end position on DraftKings or FanDuel. Yeah, it's true, and, and we've got sort of two things going on right now. We've got a hyper-athletic upper tier of tight ends just coming back online, if you will. Some of their targets have been down. Some of them have been injured in the, in the case of George Kittle, but make no mistake, Kyle Pitts has entered and stayed in that elite tier 
already as a rookie, as many suspected he would. Yes, the fluctuation in fantasy scoring exists for Kyle Pitts, but it exists for all tight ends. And so we're not really seeing a bigger volatility for Pitts other than the ceiling than other tight ends here. Still, I'm looking at a player over the last six weeks who is number one at the position in expected fantasy points, 15.9 expected DraftKings fantasy points. And he's underperforming that, but just by a little. So you could call him a slight positive regression candidate. And again, he's the tight end one in our projections. Now, he is the tight end one in tight end, tight end one in salary as well, but you're still just talking about 5,800 on DraftKings. Uh, in this game script, assuming the Dallas offense shows up, I keep saying it. That's really the most impor- important part here. Assuming that happens, I have no problem projecting seven-plus targets for Kyle Pitts, and you could easily see double digits here. Uh, you want pieces of Kyle Pitts at 5,800 on DraftKings. You really do. I mean, he's the one guy that you pretty much look at and say, well, he's 5,800. He has been erratic. There's no question. So is this entire Atlanta offense. But that's a good spot to get to. Is there anyone else you like for Atlanta? I mean, Russell Gage, he's a dart throw play. He is showing up in 3.7% of our optimal lineups. That's in our boom bust tool. That's 31st among receivers. And he's wide receiver 32. So there it is. Our first player with projections in line with salary-based expectation. Not excited to play Russell Gage eight expected DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks but all you need is that plus a touchdown and now you're cooking at that salary 5k on DraftKings on the how willing are you to stack Atlanta in this game I would stack Atlanta especially as a run back option let's say you had two Cowboys and then you did a run back and you could even pair it with Matt Ryan instead of Dak Prescott even with two Cowboys I'm fine game stacking this high total of a game. And we got to mention Alamade Zacchaeus, who had a huge game last week. That's not something we're going to project two touchdowns every single game, but still in the lineup, getting an increased snap share and up to five expected DraftKings fantasy points per game. He's really, and Hayden Hurst, the second tight end, are the other ones that, those are large field tournaments. Yeah, you can go to this offense because of the expected game flow and the Dallas offense on the other side. Yeah. The only thing about Zacchaeus that gives me pause is he was targeted three times. Two of them were touchdowns and he played what 50% of snaps, which is, which is okay. But without those touchdowns and sure touchdowns, like you need him anyway, but he's a dart throw for sure. You would agree with that, right? A hundred percent. He shows up in 0.1% of the optimal lineups. There you go. What do you think about the other side with Dallas? We kind of got into it a little bit, scratched the surface there. But with Dak Prescott struggling mightily last week, I'm willing to write that off. You know, he missed a game. He was coming off that injury. You have to – I can't go into this just assuming that he's going to play nearly as bad as he did last week. It was brutal. I mean, Malik – was it Malik Turner had two touchdowns late in the game to make it look not as bad. But I I think you have to go back to some of these guys, guys like Amari Cooper, specifically at his price point. His second best game, his best game since week one, Matt, has been with Cooper Rush under center. I'm wondering what ownership is going to end up looking like on these guys once we get closer to lock, just given what we've seen recently. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and definitely check out our ownership projections. We keep running them and they get uh, 
they get better as the week goes on. So closer on Sunday morning, we'll get an even better idea about this. But right now, he's coming in at a pretty decent expected ownership, 12.7%. That's wide receiver five. Uh, I mean, that's fine. He's wide receiver 10 in our projections. But really what's so enticing is the salary, 6,200 on DraftKings, wide receiver 19. His projection is just two and a half fantasy points off of a 3x value for Amari Cooper. So in the highest total game on the slate, with Dak Prescott presumably more healthy, getting his feet back under him in that second game back, I don't know how you dislike Amari Cooper. He's showing up in 12.1% of the optimal lineups. And yeah, you absolutely can play CeeDee Lamb a little bit more expensive, 7K on DraftKings, but he's the wide receiver six on uh, in terms of our projections, which is right in line with wide receiver seven in salary. So I'm fine going there. The one thing I will say about Lamb is the volume going to other players on the Cowboys have made his season more efficiency-based than opportunity-based. He's currently wide receiver 16 in expected fantasy points per game uh, among all wide receivers on the slate, expected to play on the slate. But still, that's not wide receiver six where his projection is. So we do presume that he's going to have efficiency. When he isn't efficient, he's not going to get to that projection. Anything else from Dallas? Dalton Schultz. Got to talk about him. Even at tight end three, 5K on DraftKings. Just way too many expected fantasy points to ignore. 11.8 is fourth among tight ends. Yeah, especially with the, if you're game stacking, you're including him with another one of these big wideouts or... It, yeah, one of these big wide receivers, you definitely can play Schultz. I'm with you. He's been good, man. He's been very good. Plenty of opportunity in the red zone as well. Uh, and, and yeah, Super Chetty, I will say to your question, uh, well, he said Atlanta's offense is hard to break down. If you think Gage goes off, he goes for zero like two weeks ago. Only Patterson and Pitts are really reliable. Or what's your thoughts? Only Patterson's been reliable, if we're being completely honest. But Pitts is just at a price point and in this, in this matchup where – reliability kind of goes out the window. We know he's super talented. We know he has that ceiling. Uh, same thing with Patterson and with gauge. It's similar. We're not saying he's got a monster ceiling, but in this specific matchup, there's just, there's going to be fantasy points to go around. It's just at this point, we don't know where they'll be distributed. Hopefully, um, hopefully to those guys. Yeah. Could there be two more touchdowns, two more passing touchdowns in this game than any other game yeah. on the main slate? Not impossible. Not at all. Also not impossible that there's two more touchdowns than any other game in this next one, Matt. Tampa Bay and Washington. You've got the Bucks laying nine and a half on the road, 51 and a half point total. Their pass defense has gotten, has gone again a little bit better, but it's still not good. And they're still an insane pass funnel defense, right? That's the biggest thing here. They're a huge pass funnel defense. Unless you're Khalil Herbert, you can't run on them, right? <laughs> They've been very difficult to run against. So we'll talk about Washington and the shootout potential in this game. But first, why don't we jump into Tampa? We've got Antonio Brown still in a walking boot. So it, it seems that he's just not there yet. And then Chris Godwin being another one didn't practice yesterday dealing with some foot ailment. We'll see what happens there. Those are two huge pieces of news. I'm, I have Antonio Brown considered out right now. Uh, I also do not have um, Gronk in, but if Chris Godwin is out, my God, dude, this not only opens things up for Mike Evans, but you're going to legitimately have to start talking about guys like Tyler Johnson. 
Yeah, you absolutely will. Or even Cameron Brait. Uh, and don't forget, players- Scott. Sorry, Matt, but don't forget Scotty Miller's on the IR too. Right, right. And that was a weapon that they utilized heavily when their big three right. receivers were dealing with injuries down the stretch. That's a big blow if they can't get Chris Godwin. Yeah, obviously Mike Evans is going to become a very, very popular play at the wide receiver nine and salary 6,900 on DraftKings. It's not the easiest salary to get to, but you have to assume against a Washington defense that ranks number two, the second worst, I should say, in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. That just contextualizes fantasy points allowed to the offenses they've already played. Uh, No one's worse than them except for the New York Jets and When you were talking about a big pass funnel defense, I wasn't sure which defense in this game you were talking about because Washington is a huge pass funnel as well. They generate pressure still. They have a decent defensive line, but their secondary has been a huge weak spot here. So I think Tom Brady is going to find matchups to pick apart here. I don't really have a concern that the offense simply won't show up. We could say that maybe it is more of a backfield day where Leonard Fournette, who's still getting really solid expected fantasy points, 20.6 is third amongst all uh, running backs on this slate. You know, maybe they just lean on him, Gio Bernard, and, uh, you know, the ghost of Ronald Jones. I, I don't think Tom Brady's going to stop passing by any means, not, not this year, but maybe they have to lean on the backfield a little bit more than usual. It's possible for sure. Now, look, there isn't anything not yet to, to indicate that Godwin will be out, and he's always questionable, but this is a different injury, so right. pay attention. Now, if Godwin is in, look, I still like Godwin. I still like Mike Evans, and what's odd to me, Matt, is I always it always seems like the Tampa Bay stacks aren't as popular as they should be, and then they end up winning tournaments, like against Miami a few weeks ago where you have others that people are just salivating over and they forget about this, maybe because there's a lot of uh, different weapons. But when Brady throws five touchdowns, there's enough to go around. So what, be it Brady, Godwin, Evans, I mean, hell, if, if, if Rob Gronkowski sits out, you might even be looking at, at like another spot where you could go to a dirt cheap OJ Howard if you're trying to be really different in tournaments, uh, in large field tournaments. But ultimately, yes, the the Tampa Bay stack is 100% in play, no matter who is in or out for this team this week. Yeah, that's well said. And I think really what it is, we never get a salary discount on Tom Brady's offense. And so people feel like from a value perspective, there's one or two offenses, one or two stacks that look just as good. But again, when we we start our lineups after the 1 p.m. kickoffs, it doesn't matter what salary we played. It's all about raw points. I will say, though, right, like Mike Evans, just from a fantasy point, he, among the guys that are expected to play, this is nuts. Yo, I, I did not know this. Okay, what? On This just goes to my point. On this slate, all right, if you sort, just go to DraftKings and sort by fantasy points per game, where do you think the three – Tampa Bay receivers rank in fantasy points per game on this slate in points per game on this slate um, so among all the receivers where do the three guys rank individually you can go out of order but just like uh, one three eight two three five <laughs> is that's, that's nuts insane. Matt and you're talking about Antonio Brown if he were to play that he's on that list, right? 
Yeah, he's he's yeah. first among all of them, but still, he's played <laughs> five absurd. games. He's been fantastic. I, Godwin's third. Mike Evans is is fifth. That is shocking to me that we, among 22 teams, three of the top five receivers in fantasy points per game are on the same team. So yeah, I, and, I just and blows that's, my that's mind. That's the name of the game with NFL DFS in general is that we talk about capturing game environments, but really it's the teams that make game environments. So basically everywhere Tampa Bay goes, not only are they running up the score, they're causing the other teams to have to pass and keep up, which in turn makes them pass more yeah. and score more it's it. we see one of these offense maybe two like this every single year no surprise that it's the 81 year old tom brady leading it this year for sure and guess what uh it'll be tyler johnson or someone that ends up having a huge game if god wins out you just know how it goes so um yeah i don't think you're, you're right there's not a discount necessarily but these guys are not overpriced either like at all at least i don't think so anyway what do you where do you go with Washington? Like Terry McLaurin has a monster ceiling, but also in this offense, a very low floor. The only trouble I have here is when you look at this price point, right? If we're just using DraftKings pricing for simplicity's sake, he's up there with all of the top tier receivers this week. So if you're playing him, it means you have to forego some of the other really good players as well. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm saying it's a difficult one. It is a difficult one. And again, I feel like I've said it three or four times this uh, this show that we're talking about game environments. The fact that he's playing against Tampa Bay's offense matters for me. And the fact that he's third amongst all wide receivers on the slate in expected fantasy points per game, making his wide receiver four salary 7,600 much more palatable than it would be in a vacuum. So I'm fine there, but as you would expect, with Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin is performing under expectation over the last six weeks, minus 2.6 fantasy points below expected. You can play him, but I kind of prefer him as a run back. Maybe you have a, a contrarian option and then one chalk option with Tom Brady and then run it back with Terry McLaurin. Friend of the show, uh, who is John Galt, says, and Gronk is the number one tight end in fantasy points per game. I know he's only played four games, but still, it's just, it's absurd. Truly absurd. Uh, are there any other pass? This is the problem with these shootouts, Matt, when it comes to Washington, the pass catchers from a fantasy standpoint, uh, are just shit, right? Like there's, there's nobody outside of McLaren that you feel McLaren that you feel good about. I know that Logan Thomas, um, is still sore. M my guess is that he's still not returning. So I actually don't hate the idea of getting to a Ricky seals Jones, but I don't think this is the greatest tight end matchup. Uh, he is playing like 100% of snaps every week, though, which is worth talking about. If I'm stacking this game, I honestly think I would I would try to do a Washington run back. I'm not huge on stacking them with Heineke, but he is one of those cheap quarterbacks. If you're looking to go cheap, because uh, there are – and sorry, I'm dancing around this a little bit because I want to point out the, the – well, it's an intricate slate. It's an interesting one because you have Jonathan Taylor against Jacksonville. You'll see where I'm going here. Like you have Eckler or uh, Eckler against Minnesota, which is fine, but you have Dalvin Cook against the Chargers, great matchup. Najee Harris against Detroit, Christian McCaffrey against Arizona's weak run defense. They're going to use him a ton without Darnold, even with Darnold. If you wanted to get maybe two top tier running backs in, you might consider going to a Washington stack and paying down at quarterback with Taylor Heineken. 
Yeah, and then having one of those Tampa Bay options, maybe the more obvious one, like Mike Evans, is if everyone right. else is out, you can you can afford that all of a sudden. Yeah, Taylor Heineke has the QB ten projection on DraftKings, and he's the QB fifteen in salary, so we can absolutely play him. Expected fantasy points looks really good for Taylor Heineke as well. His you know he's performing below expectation. He's not a great quarterback right now, but twenty two point nine expected fantasy points. That means that there's enough volume in terms of passing and rushing, actually, that we could go to Taylor Heineke. If you're going to any other pass catcher, I don't think you're getting a ceiling DFS score from a player like Adam Humphreys. I don't think Curtis Samuel is returning this week. So if Deami Brown does suit up, maybe you go there. Uh, J.D. McKissick is really the only other pass catcher that sort of has my eye. Running back 21 in salary, 5,200. Again, it's a little bit more of a game environment play, but then, you know, 12.4 expected DraftKings fantasy points. That's not nothing. That's 18th among all running backs. So uh, assuming Heineke has to pass a lot, it's going to be McKissick, the healthier of the two Washington running backs. If you're not playing with McLaurin, I think you go there. Absolutely. I like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, If I wanted to go two top-tier running backs, could we make it work with Heineke, McLaurin, and Mike Evans? You can, you're definitely going to be punting tight end and then one or two other spots, but I, I don't think it's impossible. And you're punting defense as well. I have a couple defensive punts that I, we can talk about too. Um, let's get to the next game though, Matt. And yes, I'm fully aware we're spending more time on these games because these games just have way more to talk about. And our job is to hopefully hit on everyone that's viable or at least relevant Buffalo and the New York Jets. Buffalo laying 12 and a half on the road, 48 point total. Matt, I have a question for you. Okay. And I want to know, I, I just snap answer. What do you think? What do you think? Not the, not the over under, right? Pre-game, pre-flop. What do you think the actual total score average has been for the Jets over the last three weeks? Uh, total score of their games, 45. 70. Whoa. 70. All right. Well, that's a great that's a great setup because my perception of them, I, I don't have the Mike White perception in franchise my head. QB. But Matt, 70 <laughs> points. Like, are you kidding me? For the Jets? Wow. I don't know. Now, obviously, they came a lot of them come from the other team, but no doubt. No doubt. But but they've scored 30 plus in back to back. Wait, listen, this is not me championing the Jets at all. What I'm saying is their defense is horrible. They're allowing 408 total yards per game, dead last in the league. They've been ravaged by opposing teams, ravaged. But like, okay, against Indy, 30, 45 to 30, 75 total points. Against Cincy, 34 to 31 win. Oh. New England, 54 to 13. That loss. was the one I, I just, I forgot. Yeah. New England yeah. played but three games worth of offense. Even the games before that, 47 total, 51. They are finding ways to score. I don't think they... This is all to say, I don't think they find ways to score against Buffalo. This Buffalo defense is extraordinarily good. I'm actually close to, I think I might be laying 12 and a half on Buffalo because I think they ravaged them coming off an embarrassing loss to Jacksonville. It's sort of like they better, right? They, they had better right? Yeah, that's a good out. point. It, against Jacksonville, I thought that was the smash spot. I Me thought too. that was the get right game. I thought that was the Diggs 30 point explosion performance. And now you got, you, yes, you're on the road, but the Jets are by far 
the worst defense in the NFL by the metrics I look at, schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. And they're like 20% worse than Washington, that second-worst defense we just talked about. It's a long way away. And speaking of long way away, Buffalo's defense is the best in that same metric by far. So I kind of agree with you. If you want to talk about the total of this game, the Jets just probably aren't showing up is the most likely outcome here. The Buffalo defense, as you said, is spectacular. In my opinion, they are the best unit in the league. And even if they do get Mike White back for the Jets, I don't think they're suddenly scoring 25, 30 points to keep pace in some sort of shootout. Back to the Buffalo Bills. They have got to figure this out. Nine to six <laughs> against Jacksonville. Are you serious? It's in, it's serious? inexplicable. I mean, Scott Hansen, I have never seen that man, the, the red zone uh, announcer, I've never seen that man more excited than when Josh Allen was tackling or intercepting oh, Josh Allen. It. Not he to be confused so with Chris Hansen. That's right. That's right. Um, take a seat, Matt. Hey, go on, you take a seat. <laughs> The the Buffalo Bills offense, we know what the ceiling is. We just haven't seen it in a few weeks. They scored 31 points in week six against Tennessee, 38 points the week before against Kansas City, and then 40 against Houston. But, you know, after that stretch, I don't know where they went. You know, the 26 points against Miami, most of them happened at the very end there. And I still don't really know what to do with the passing attack. Stephon Diggs is kind of underwhelmed. You can certainly play him wide receiver five in salary wide receiver four in projections. Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he's proven that his floor is a literal goose egg and his ceiling (laughs) is eight catches for two touchdowns. So sort of the only safe option becomes Cole Beasley, who's just averaging this steady 12 or so expected fantasy points over the last six weeks, wide receiver 28 in salary, 5,200. And he has a projection that's way ahead of that wide receiver 18. So I'm not saying he is by far our best ceiling play, but he has a positive leverage score. That means his uh, projection of being the optimal lineup outpaces his current projected ownership. He's kind of a good play, especially against this terrible, terrible Jets defense. Dude, Matt, he has games of 13, 13, 13, 11, and nine targets this year. Uh, Just in a vacuum, just before hearing any other information, I'm probably saying, yes, I'll play that player in DFS. Yeah, that's a great point. If I told you he has the other three games are two, two, and four, you go, yeah, but he has like 10 with 13. So I'm with you. I think you're right. He has been really consistent. Yes, there's going to be a game or two here and there where he isn't, but he's a wide receiver. He's a wide receiver, right? He has 33 targets over his last three games. Yeah. You're right, man. And even if even if the PPR port production hasn't, or I'm sorry, even if the yardage isn't there every game, if you just tell me a guy is getting that many targets at that price point, just the same reason I was on a cheap Jalen Waddle last week, I'll take the, the 12 to 13 targets. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm also wondering, like, does this end up being one of those teams that because people hate trying to figure out where the ownership is going or where the targets are going to, that they won't be as popular? We Our top stack tool does have Josh Allen as the highest owned quarterback right now. But they also still have a positive leverage score because they have the highest top stack probability by quite a bit. So uh, in our top stack tool, we have Buffalo number one in, in top stack probability, 
Awesome tool, by the way, if you guys want to check this out. Tampa Bay at number two, and then Dallas at number three. So these are the three teams we've already talked about. I, I think you need to get to all of these teams this week, even if it's not as a stack for all of them. Maybe you're only playing a few lineups. You're wanting pieces of these teams, and you have to have amnesia when it comes to what happened in some weeks prior to this because we can only go off of what we've seen. And if what we've seen last week is nothing like what we've seen in all of the previous weeks, I'm willing to throw last week out the window unless there's an injury we don't know about or unless something catastrophic happened that is hidden under wraps right now, Matt. Yeah, and you know, all those offenses, those top tier, top stacks tool offenses have the works on their profile this week. Dallas didn't show up last week. Dak Prescott isn't 100%. Tampa Bay's receiving core is certainly not 100%. And so Josh Allen playing against the Jets, you know, I'm wondering, I, I have the right to change my mind by Sunday morning, but if you're <laughs> doing one lineup in a single entry large field tournament, why not an onslaught Bills stack here Love against it. the team? They should Love just it. destroy. They're the healthiest of those top three top stacks. Bills are scoring 50 this week, Matt. I'm, it's happening. I, I'm serious. They, they might score 50, and I'll be straight with you. I tell you, there are times where we won't break teams down, and maybe Matt, or that we won't spend a lot of time. I'm going to turn this over to Matt because I have zero from the Jets that I want. Elijah Moore. I get it, right? Coming off a strong game. First of all, it was mostly Josh Johnson who had a career high in passing yards. And wait till I give you a defensive stat for the Colts later on. It'll blow your mind. Uh, and it'll make you maybe say, eh, it could have been a mirage, some of that shit we saw with the Jets last week. I, I really, I, I'm, I'm a big Michael Carter fan. I want nothing to do with him in this matchup. I'm not going to Elijah Moore because he had one solid, one solid game with two different quarterbacks. This is a Bills defense that ranks number one in pass coverage across the board. Go anywhere. They're phenomenal there. They might have to throw, but I don't think they'll be efficient. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they don't score a single point. I know it sounds like hyperbole. I, it does. I think Buffalo comes out here and absolutely blows their doors off. Yeah, that's in the range of outcomes, certainly for the, the, for the game flow of this game, where Buffalo's offense shows up the way we know it can, and Buffalo's defense shows up against this Jets offense the way it can. And then exactly what you had said, this is just a complete blowout. But I am somewhat interested in a player like Mike White, who had 28 fantasy points <laughs> in his last healthy game and is getting 0.8% in projected ownership. So let's just say there's a scenario where Buffalo gets up by a ton of points, similar to the Indianapolis game. I know these are two very different defenses, so I'll say that. But let's say Buffalo gets up by a huge amount in the second half, and the Jets are just running plays. The Jets are just running practice plays, and they let them score two touchdowns because it simply does not matter. That's not impossible to think about happening. And, you know, in that situation – you're probably fine with Mike White at 5,100 QB 21. It feels terrible. I'm not excited about playing any of these players, but we saw the breakout game from Elijah Moore. His salary, 4,700. We can still get there. Again, no one here is a priority play. We know that Michael Carter and Elijah Moore are the future of this offense. So if Mike White is actually able to show up you know, he's been pretty good. If he's able to do it against Buffalo, then we'll really change our tune about him. But even if he's able to just be mediocre, then they might produce one solid fantasy producer from this group. I hear you. It's definitely possible. But my God, this pass defense is, is 
it's a daunting task. Good. Yeah. They've allowed, they've allowed, do you know how many passing yards they allowed to Houston in week four? Was it under 100? 61. <laughs> <laughs> 61. You just want to go home. Yeah, right. Like, let us leave. Yeah, Davis Mills is like, God, I should have said I had food poisoning. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five games under under 100, under 200 passing yards. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, I, I'm okay fading this Jets team. I think there's some better value out there. And, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay getting away from it. But I get where you're coming from, Matt. Prize picks, baby. They don't have my rushing touchdown props up right now. What's up with that? Oh no, that's that's your edge. My go-to. I I I've missed. I'm not kidding. I think I've missed one of them all season. They're just that's awesome. They're there for the taking, man. They're great. Those rushing. They, hopefully they'll pop up. But we still got some other great ones and prize picks. Our fellas have been crushing it. Greg and Eric have been doing the prize picks post shows making those cards, making those lineups with the, with the props, which is all it is, is you're betting or you're taking over unders and putting them into a four or five or even one or two uh, prop lineup where you can 10 X your money. If you hit all five, uh, if you do the power play, you can play four of them and 10 X your money. Really, really cool format. There's no juice on either side. None of that. And well, you have baseball, basketball, hockey, NFL, WNBA, you even have esports. that, there's an insane amount of sports like cricket and frisbee golf. If there's niche sports that you know well, get in there, or just regular sports, get in there, and 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 use the promo code Awesome A W E S E M O. Claim up to a hundred dollar deposit bonus when you sign up and deposit for the first time. Uh, it really is fun, and I've started playing over there a lot more lately because I love it. You know, I already bet props. Why not put them into a parlay style? where if the fifth leg of your five leg parlay gets busted, you still make money. Like you still two X your money on a traditional book. You make nothing back. They just say, you know, thanks for showing up. We'll see you tomorrow here. It's different. Like even if you hit three of five, you still get some money back. And that's huge. When you're doing stuff like this, make your bankroll actually sustainable, uh, put yourself in good spots, but also give yourself a chance to 10 X your money every single time you play. I love it there, Matt. We've, I, I, it's really grown on me at first. I, I honestly, I was like, all right, it's just another prop site, but it's not. And it looks good. And I just, I love the idea that I don't lose. If I hit four or five, uh, I can actually still win and two X my money. Yeah, I definitely think this platform is here to stay. So user-friendly. The interface is fantastic. And as someone who has to travel, it's not so far, but to another state to place my props bets, I am very thankful for services like this where I can use the tools that we have at Osimo to make prop bets. And yeah, I can 10x my money. I have some pretty good bets here. I've already talked about what I really like. Cordell Patterson, you know, one and a half projected receptions more than his current receiving prop 4.5 receptions over on that and the other one that has my eye it's our fourth highest expected win rate in terms of props that we have listed right now the under for jared goff's 240.5 pass yards going against that steelers defense we'll get to that game later but that one looks like a smash love it you know where i'm going 
if you guys want to get some of this action in tonight, start the lineup off, start the card off in the good way on the right foot. Give me Durham Smythe, okay? Over eight and a half receiving yards. I'll tell you, the one thing I've learned from Odd Shopper and from the way that Alex does our player prop projections and tools, which are free at awesome.com, is I wasn't taking advantage of these, and this isn't just for prize picks, this is in general, so hear me out. I wasn't just taking advantage, I wasn't taking advantage enough of some of these kind of creative, not creative players, but guys that no one was really looking at, right? Be, and, and like the inefficient lines on some of these backup running backs, on some of these tight ends that maybe only get a few targets per game, whether you're hitting the over or the under. I mean, there are times where Matt, Matt and I bet the under 0.5 receptions on a guy a few weeks ago and it hit, he didn't even see the field. Like these are really good spots to take advantage of because the prop market uh, is not as sharp as, as other markets. And it, it doesn't take a lot of money to move these lines, but it's really just, um, it's not as efficient. So we have Durham Smythe. Jordan, if you want to pull it up, and now I'm just curious, I'm pretty sure we have him today with one of the highest expected win rates on this slate or on the entire week, especially tonight. It is at, Oh, he's got to be it. Oh, there he is. 62% win rate. We have him projected at 17.3 uh, yards. DraftKings has his prop at nine and a half yards. So you're getting it at eight and a half on prize picks. That's awesome. Take it. Let me get it. Matt, I'm going to build a lineup with what we have and throw it in for today and see how we do. That'll be fun. Yeah. And huh. I love, I love the idea of the playing the backups or the second stringers there. I think our projections probably outpace a lot of these lines. That's a really good edge. McBeard says you ruined touchdown pros. They're having trouble keeping the lights on. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you and, and not awesome. Yo, I'm not even bullish on Durham. I just, we haven't projected for twice as many receiving yards as his prop. I'll tell you, we were crushing those. If you took those rushing touchdown props every week or every time we did this, we were making it happen. Anyway, all right, check it out, prizepicks.com or the App Store or in the Google Play Store. And let us know how you do. Send us some screenshots, baby, at Awesome Hall, HOF, Awesome Hall of Fame. Include Matt and myself, Draftaholic, Lafayette underscore D. All right, keep this one moving. We got Jacksonville and we got Indiana. I did it again. It's so tough when it comes to football and basketball. Indianapolis, Matt. So the Jags, you're going to think I'm crazy. I like the Jags passing game this week quite a bit. Doesn't mean I love, sorry, I'm, it doesn't mean I love Trevor Lawrence. But how much, I tweeted this yesterday, what percent of Indianapolis's touchdowns allowed to opponents have been through the air? Uh, I'm going to assume it's a whole lot. I know they're a huge pass funnel. Yeah, 92%. Oh, my gosh. 23 passing touchdowns allowed to one – or, sorry, two rushing touchdowns all season. 23 to 2 ratio for this team, Matt. They are – no one – I don't – and you said it. I don't know if people talk enough about how much of a pass funnel the Colts really are. Yeah, and – it's because their pass defense is specifically bad. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure that their rush defense is spectacularly good. I know that PFF's overall defensive grades for them are not terrible, and their coverage grades are. So probably it is good. But looking at different metrics, I'm seeing the same thing. In schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, 
I have a metric that compares a team's backfield fantasy points allowed to their receiver fantasy points allowed. And it changes different colors depending on the type of funnel. And the pass funnel color is the brightest it can possibly be for the Colts on this data visualization. It is clear as day that you want to attack the Colts through the air. So in that context, we're okay playing Trevor Lawrence at the QB 17 in salary on DraftKings, 5,300. Again, we have projections that are just right in line with salary-based expectations. But, you know, I just think the ceiling is still there because we know he can pass for over 45 times a game. We had 54 pass attempts against Seattle, 41 against Miami, 51 earlier this season against Houston. The real issue is that he's had multiple games under five yards per attempt. And that's not just bad. That's like backup quarterback bad. That's we got to fix something about that. But at the very least, he had a stretch where he had three games over 7.5 yards per attempt. I do think the efficiency eventually works itself out. I'm just not sure who in the receiving game I want to go to. I kind of feel like all of these wide receivers are dart throws, even if they are in a good spot. Anthony Marcus says, Laffy, where did you find that stat? Um, which one? The 92% one? I just divided 23 in the 25. <laughs> That's all. No, I was looking at it yesterday, and I'm always searching for pass funnel or run funnel spots because I think that is where some of the best plays come from each week. And everyone always talks about Tampa Bay, clear pass funnel, right? They talk about all of these teams that are pass funnels or run funnels, but no one's talking about the Colts who have allowed, you know, three or four more touchdowns through the air than any other team. They've allowed more passing touchdowns by a mile than any other team and the fewest rushing touchdowns in the league. So yeah, Lawrence, I don't love him, but I will go to some Marvin Jones this week. I'm going to look at some Marvin Jones. I will look at, you know, some Dan Arnold. I think this is a fine spot for Dan Arnold against Indy. Uh, Jamal Agnew. It's not exciting, but I'll look to him as well. And I, I think, when you look at the ownership, Marvin Jones is getting 2% projected ownership. Jamal Agnew's at 3%. Dan Arnold's at sub 10%. These guys are getting nothing against maybe the worst pass defense in the league. The J- Josh Johnson just had a career high game, career game against them. The guy's a fucking backup. Yeah, I think part of that too was the game flow. The game was completely out of reach. Sure. In the third quarter and the fourth quarter. And so... I can't imagine they didn't take the foot off the gas pedal defensively. I think you're right. But I get get your point there. The bigger thing is that we need usage to spike a little bit for one of these players. And predicting more usage for players is always something that's a little bit tough to do for wide receivers. Jones is wide receiver 32 in expected fantasy points on the slate. He's wide receiver 22 in salary. Chenault is wide receiver 31 in expected fantasy points. They're within 0.1 of each other. And he's wide receiver 41 in salary. So from a value perspective there, Chenault looks a little bit better. But Agnew's right there too. Wide receiver 37 in expected fantasy points. And he's wide receiver 44 in salary. So Dan Arnold, especially when you compare him to other tight ends, he actually might be the most appealing for me because he has tight end seven value in expected fantasy points. But these wide receivers, I'm not denying what you said at all. The ceiling game is absolutely there. But the highest I'm seeing in terms of optimal lineup percentage is actually Marvin Jones, I believe, with just 3.6%. So it's not a priority. It's just, it's got a decent ceiling. Totally. For all the reasons you said. 
Totally. Get it. And that's what I said. I'm really not big on stacking here because I don't think you're going to see Lawrence really supporting more than one big fantasy producer, but Marvin Jones still has a 23 plus percent target share on the season going up against a dreadful defense. And what I like about him, he is a big time factor when they do get into the red zone. So all of that stuff, I think Marvin could have a good game. I'm not huge on Chanel and you're right. The numbers and the, the, everything don't really bear it out that these guys are in a great spot. And a lot of that has to do just with the fact that Lawrence hasn't been good, but it's also not out of the question that the Colts do go up by a decent amount. Their offense is humming right now. Jonathan Taylor looks like the best damn player in the league. So if they go up, they beat him up early and they're forced to throw. Um, Marvin Jones would be the guy for me in tournaments. Anyway, Matt, talk to me about the Colts. Jonathan Taylor is absolutely spectacular to think that there were people after the first three weeks of the season where he was not looking great. They were like, man, I'm so mad. I drafted him in the middle of the second round and redraft leagues. Yeah. Well, you should be pretty stoked about that now. Cause he's legitimately going to win you your leagues. Yeah. It's a long ways away from when we were talking earlier in the season about how he could not convert goal line carries. He was getting stuffed at the one people were wondering what was wrong with Taylor this is a player who's just breaking out because he is able to evade tackles at the best rate in the entire NFL. And then when he gets free, he has the fastest top speed among all running backs in the NFL. And I'm not just saying that out of opinion. I'm saying that because next gen stats clocked him at over 22 miles an hour, the fastest top speed in the NFL this season on a touchdown or on any run, any time holding the ball in your hand yeah. this season he is number one in the nfl in evaded tackles per touch number two in total evaded tackles and number three in total runs of 10 yards or more 6.8 yards per touch which is buoyed by the fact that he has 12.7 yards per reception so one thing i will say i'd like to just see him get more targets i know naheem hines has a specific role on this offense but we haven't seen more than four targets in any game since week one. I think that Jonathan Taylor could run away with, pun intended, the RB1 overall if he just gets a little bit more in the receiving game. Against Jacksonville, I think he's going to run all over this team. Jacksonville is uh, seventh worst in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Basically, they are slightly below average in almost every metric you would look at. And... While they've been a little bit easier to attack through the air, it's not like Indianapolis is going away from Jonathan Taylor in any sort of game script. I absolutely love the play. 8,100. I will be right in line, if not if not over the field, even though his leverage score is slightly negative right now. It is, but I can't help it. I love him. I He has every week it feels like he breaks off a 60-plus yarder, Matt. Every week, whether it's on the ground, through the air, uh, and – we were, I had mentioned last week that I felt like this could be the game. I think you and I were on the, the live before lock. I think we both talked about this, that this could be the game where Jonathan Taylor, you know, finally gets 20 carries. Well, he was about to clear 20 easy. First of all, he missed a drive and a half due to getting a little banged up. And then towards the end, he wasn't out there because the game was, was out of hand. So they were giving more opportunities to Naeem Hines. He would have had like 23, 24 carries in that game. I think this could be another oh, yeah. 20 carry game from Jonathan Taylor at the, at the worst you're getting 17, 18 and a few receptions along the way. He's just remarkably good. He has a touchdown or two touchdowns 
in seven straight games, and uh, I will go back to him. Six yeah, one thing games. I want to add um, is that that he did get banged up, but it was a cut on his leg. There's no concern yeah. about it going forward. No, 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 totally fine. He was right back out there for sure. Mm-hmm. And who knows? It was a two-minute drill. He might have been Hines might have been out there anyway. Like even if nothing happened to Taylor, Jonathan or uh, Michael Pittman's been been pretty awesome as well. But I, I do the one concern I have, Matt. Maybe you can speak to this. Is even with Paris Campbell out uh, and having been without Ty Hilton and and, and many games this year, you just haven't really seen the the volume consistently from Pittman. So. T.Y. Hilton could be back dealing with that concussion, limited participant in practice yesterday. I like Pittman, but I don't love him at this price point. Yeah, I I don't know if I agree with you fully here. Right now, please, our projections please. are well ahead of salary. He's wide receiver seven in our projections. He's wide receiver 17 in salary-based rankings here. So at 6,300 on DraftKings especially, he looks like a pretty good play. You mentioned it. The volume has been fluctuating a little bit. Four targets in week seven against San Francisco. Six targets last week against the Jets. Say what you will about the game flow of that game. But 15 targets against the Tennessee Titans in week eight. And all he did with those 15 targets is turn it into 10 catches, two touchdowns, and 30.6 PPR fantasy points. The ceiling is there. He's actually the wide receiver seven in terms of points per game this season. I want a piece of this passing attack against the putrid Jacksonville pass defense. So I don't know how you get away from Michael Pittman when even his expected fantasy points, a 13.5, that well outpaces the salary-based expectations there too. I'm fine going to the wide receiver too, like Zach Pascal, but man, uh, Pittman just looks like a smash to me. Yeah, I get it. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit on the other side because like they have the fifth highest game script adjusted rust percentage this season. They've got a guy in Taylor. They'll use Hines and that Tennessee game. Don't get me wrong. Pittman was spectacular, but at the same time, they ended up dropping that game. And when you look at the games that they've lost this year, right outside of week one, cause that was just a weird game uh, without Wentz as well, I think. Right. But lost to the Rams, 12 targets, lost to Tennessee, 12 targets, uh, lost to Baltimore seven, lost to Tennessee by three points, 15 in the games they're winning. It looks a little different. Three targets against Houston, four targets against San Francisco, six targets against the New York jets. That one early season win against Miami. He did have eight, but I, I worry that they just don't really need to go to the, he's efficient and that's nice, but I worry they don't really need to go to the pass a whole lot in this specific matchup against the Jags where they're massive home favorites. So that would be my issue. They only, they only, um, they only ran the ball 28% of the time against Tennessee in a game sandwiched in between that with easy wins, 58 and 52%. So that would be my only issue with Pittman this, this week. Yeah, that does make sense. And you probably see if you're fading Pittman, you probably want to be over the field on Taylor. Big, big time. Yeah, and I am go. I think I'm going to be. I don't know yet, but I would assume I'm going to be. So that's a great, good point, though, Matt. If you're under the field on Taylor, though, Pittman is 100% a guy you want in those lineups. Yeah, it's just, again, comes down to game flow. As we said, 
Jacksonville looks tougher to exploit via the air, but yeah, if they get up, once they get up, we could say, yeah, it's going to be the, the Jonathan Taylor show and you're going to want him in your lineup. Guys, we got free tools on the site today and some legitimately good ones. The NFL showdown top plays tool. Uh, Matt and I always talk about that when we're on the showdown live before lock. It's, it's one of my favorite tools on the site. It's basically top stack tool, but for showdown uh, for individual players. And the player projections for NBA, Adam shares deeper dive article, deep dive article, best article you're going to find out there, hands down, no question, and it's free. NHL top stacks and Matt Gajewski's college basketball projections. If you're in a state where you can play, use these. There's an insane edge right now in college basketball because it's just so hard to project, but Matt does an amazing job. He's 2-0 and to start the season. So uh, hop over there, awesome.com. All that content's free. And if you just want to uh, check out Osmo for the first week, use the promo code NFL Strat. Is it? Ah, fuck, man, I did it again, Jordan. Is it NFL Strategy Show? Yeah, there's so many of these. NFL Strategy Show, all one word, all caps, gets you 25% off the first week if you go to awesome.com slash join. Every sport on the site, you name it. If they have contests out there, we got content. Everything, including betting stuff, all of our DFS stuff, season-long stuff, everything included, 25% off the first week. All the tools created by Alex Baker himself. Awesome, oh, you know him. Number one ranked DFS player. Guys want a lot of money using these tools, and so have our subs. So check it out, awesome.com slash join. Use the promo code NFL Strategy Show. All one word, all caps. Matt, what are you doing with this next game? Cleveland, Patriots, tight spread, low total. Thoughts on the uh, the Browns? Yeah, I mean, obviously the news about the running back room being completely depleted is something we're going to have to hit on. Dernis Johnson is going to be most likely a very, very popular play if they don't get cleared for this game. But the thing that really shocked me is that Cleveland is a one-point underdog right now. And I still kind of assumed that we would still be kind of basing their uh, their play on how far they win the playoffs last year the fact that they're five and four they have a plus 28 point differential but apparently losing those players in the backfield and new england kind of creeping up also five and four is enough to make them slight home favorites just in a vacuum i think that cleveland is a much better team here even without their running backs i think the line is able to help them through and even if they need to rely on the passing game with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones, something they don't typically like to do, I think they can still squeak out a win on the road. I just don't know. If you don't have a huge amount of playmakers, if Nick Chubb is really out, there's just not a lot of of great weapons here that can really break open a slate uh, to the point where I don't know if you're going to get a have-to-have-it tournament score from either of these teams. I'm with you, man. This is just not a game I'm particularly excited about. You've got Cleveland with a 0.5 top stack probability, less than a percent. New England at 2.1, but who do you really like there? The only thing I would say, right, for this game, and if you have anything else on either side, Matt, feel free to fire away. The only other thing on this game that stands out to me is the fact that you had Damian Harris in the concussion protocol, still not practicing. Ramadre Stevenson in the concussion protocol. Those guys went out like back to back, uh, still not practicing. If they don't clear it, this could be a spot where Brandon Bolden at almost minimum salary becomes viable. And here's why. I think he gets a good amount of work on the ground. 
but he also has games with four, six, four, and seven targets this year. So I think he runs enough routes. I think, you know, without a James White, he will be on the field as a pass catcher. You might see a very high snap count from someone like Bolden, uh, even though it's the, the matchup leaves much to be desired. So keep in mind or pay attention to those two concussions from Harris and Stevenson and uh, adjust accordingly because I don't hate a minimum salary guy as a small favorite at home. Yeah, absolutely not. We could literally have two free square running backs at 4,500 and 4,700 Dernis Johnson yep. on this game. And so even if we don't love the game environment, we still are going to play running backs at that salary who are going to get that many projected touches. So don't like the game, like that much volume in fantasy football. I will mention Jarvis Landry has a pretty solid projection compared to his wide receiver 28 salary. Cool. Well, that was... uh expedient man that was pretty quick huh hunter henry scores touchdowns there you yeah. go there's some pay, oh no no I'm, I'm not I'm, <laughs> I'm not begging for you to t- i'm just saying like <laughs> we did a, we were pretty concise with that game and i'm proud of us that's all i'm saying yeah it's a uh, rare thing to call it is a very with our words very rare thing but my god dude deanna's john deanna's johnson is going to be he's going to be mega chalk right if if hunt remains out he has to be Right now, we have him projected to be in 50% of the optimal lineups in our simulation. That is a wow. staggeringly high number. Do we really? That's what I have right now. 50.2 in my last check of the top the top plays tool. The boom bust tool, excuse me. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, there's no other player higher than 19.6. Dernis Johnson is currently at 50.2. So the truth is this game doesn't look good, but it could get very chalky depending on these backfield injuries. Could get very chalky. I love when players are chalk like this, especially when they're lower salary like this, because there's so much game theory you can do. Forget about the play. Dernis Johnson's looked pretty good as a player, but just forget about that for a moment. When you know that 50% of the field is doing one thing, then we can make a lot of different game theory based decisions. We can ride with them and then just differentiate ourselves in other places, or we can specifically fade them and then take it one step further. What happens when that player fails? Do Patriots players blow up? Do Cleveland Browns passing attack players have ceiling games? We can do both of those things in our lineup. And if we're right, we can move ahead of a ton of the field with one move. Great point. And it might end up being Brandon Bolden is overlooked because everyone's on Dearness Johnson. You know? Exactly. exactly. All right. Matt, on to the next one. You've got Detroit and Pittsburgh, 42 and a half total. I mean, just pure. This should, this should not be a, a pleasurable viewing experience. On the Detroit side of the ball, do we have actually, do you have the boom, you have the boom bus tool pulled up? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, did I skip one? Did I skip one? I did. My fault. You're right, Jordan. My fault. Jordan Klein producing today's show. Round of applause, everybody. Hit him up in chat. Uh, he thinks I'm being an asshole. I'm really not. I love Jordan Klein. Having a blast, Jordan. Good times. Good times. Uh, <laughs> New Orleans, Tennessee, 44 and a half point total. New Orleans coming off a loss. And that was Eric Lindquist line. Hit your boy up on Twitter. Wish him uh, a happy wedding and good luck, which he will certainly need. Eric's a good man. We love him around here, and uh, he's tying the knot this weekend. So shout out your boy. Tell tell him we sent tell him we sent him. We sent you, Matt. What are you doing with the New Orleans Saints this week? 
Um, probably staying the hell away if Alvin Kamara's out. I mean, that could be bad. Uh, it sounds like he's got a shot to play. He's currently in our projections. But I don't really think that a team led by Trevor Simeon, Marcus Callaway, and Mark Ingram is an NFL team in 2021. That I mean, maybe I'm disrespecting Sean Payton's offensive mind. I just I think they're they're an Alvin Kamara loss from being one of the worst offenses in the league. Does that mean it's impossible for them to win games? No, it's the NFL, but I don't think they have any chance against the Tennessee Titans if Alvin Kamara isn't playing and if he isn't close to healthy. Right now, our projections have him way worse than his running back two salary, 8.2K. I'm I'm bearish on him as well. Uh, the only really real reason they get there is if Tennessee runs up the score and they're simply forced into this pass-heavy game script that they simply don't want to do with Trevor Simeon at the helm. I'm so... I'm just not very high on Alvin Kamara right now. The only thing that could change that, Matt, is the fact that he is a world-class talent and his ownership this week is going to be significantly lower than that of guys like Jonathan Taylor and some other good running backs up top like Najee Harris and Austin Eckler. That would be the one thing that makes a difference for me where I say, all right, I'll just not worry too much about the fact that Taysom Hill could get goal line looks or that this just isn't a great spot. And maybe he just, maybe Kamara does his thing, but then you have Christian McCaffrey projected for half of Kamara's ownership. So I'd rather just go to McCaffrey. Right. Right. And, and you know, it would be one thing if the, the ownership being low matched with the chance of being in the optimal lineup being higher, which would make his leverage score positive. But we're right now projecting Kamara at just a 5.3% chance of being in the optimal lineup. And so even at 7.5% projected ownership, that's a negative leverage score. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't play him. It just doesn't make me that excited. And like you said, we have other top-tier talents who arguably are healthier. Is Christian McCaffrey possibly healthier right now than Alvin Kamara? Not impossible. At less ownership, I'll take it there. I'm with you, man. Anything else for, uh, or actually anything for the Titan side of this one? Sure. I think we got to talk about the Tennessee passing game. We really didn't, I don't feel like we saw what their actual close game game script is without Derrick Henry yet, because that's just the way football goes. Sometimes they were dominant defensively. Suddenly that game got away from Los Angeles and suddenly they're the Tennessee Titans are playing their blowout game script game scenario where they were shuffling running backs all game and so all of a sudden the tennessee running back position doesn't really seem all that exciting if anyone you're probably just playing the cheaper option someone like adrian peterson at 4900 but i do think you can get to aj brown and julio jones one thing i will mention though this is another one where i check odd shopper and the player props tool and i see where the receptions totals are coming in for Brown and Jones, because there is some fluctuation with this team. And, and right now we're not particularly bullish on 5.5 receptions for Brown, 
or 4.5 receptions for Jones. I'm seeing them as pretty high win rates for the under on both. I could see it happening. It just doesn't look that great when you compare it to salary and DFS. Uh, AJ Brown, the wide receiver five in projection, wide receiver two in salary. Jones is the wide receiver 31 in projection, the wide receiver 26 in salary. So they're not at unplayable levels of bad value, but they don't look fantastic on paper. And the Saints defense has been pretty good this year. Yeah, our projections don't feel great about them, Matt. I mean, yeah, the ceiling's there. The ceiling's there. AJ oh, shows up at 9.7% of lineups. That's not bad. It's not. I, I, I don't even. Oh, wow. Cam Newton to the Panthers. Okay. Yeah. I'm All excited right. to talk about that one. Yeah, we can do that shortly. But yeah, um, this is why it helps. I mean, you, you, being able to compare them against our projections, against what the books have them at, because let's be honest, while we believe that our projections are the best out there, it's not like these books are dumb either. So it gives you a pretty good idea of where you're going. Then whether you're betting on uh, using Outshopper to bet or whether you're just using it as a reference point for DFS, maybe you're in a state where you can't bet right now, uh, it still has immense value. So that's why we reference it here. I've really tried to work it into my DFS process, but I also use it to, to I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sucker for being able to sort by expected win rate or expected ROI and be like, Oh, okay. You're telling me I don't have to do any work and I don't have to search every book through hundreds of props. I can just, they'll tell me where the best bet is at which book and what the best bet is. I'm in. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to, I'm trying to also make it a little bit more about my macro process. What do I think the game is going to look like? One thing I noticed, I checked out the player props tool as I do looking for solid props. And then I saw the under for both of those players. Then it got me curious about what was our projection like for this Tennessee offense they're favored by three. They're at home. You'd think maybe an offensive onslaught could be in the works here. No, our projections are saying the exact opposite. Of course, it's not impossible, but just to start there and then get an idea about the whole offense, that's so beneficial in my process. No doubt. Hey, welcome to the team, Michael Furto. Appreciate you, man. Sexy badge next to the name. Got those emojis. Get the shout outs, priority access when it comes to questions. And it's just exclusive. It's like an NFT, Matt, part of an exclusive club. <laughs> Gotta love it. Jordan Klein losing his mind over there. I don't know what I'm saying wrong, Jordan. And uh, McBeard, thanks for the super chat, bro. He says Landry, possible running back, wide receiver, possible hat trick with a passing touchdown, too. That'd be awesome. It's not the craziest. It's not the craziest idea, but matchup kind of sucks. Low totals in those games. Hey, they're hey, leaning talk- on him rest of season. What's up? They're leaning on him. They they need a lot from Landry. For sure, man. For sure. He's thrown a touchdown or two there here and there. Detroit is lefty, right? Yeah, I think so. Detroit and oh. Pittsburgh. He threw one to Odell last year. It's like, I'm pretty sure he's thrown more touchdowns to Odell Beckham than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> oh, no. Detroit and Pittsburgh. It's actually surprising that Detroit's only an eight and a half point dog, but Pittsburgh's not exactly the most prolific offense at this stage of the game. Chase Claypool's week to week. I'll, I got to tell you, Matt, I, I'm telling you right now, all right? Don't, don't scoff at this. Just hear me out. Someone will win a tournament. Doesn't have to be a huge. Someone will win a lot of money 
with a Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris lineup without Ben Roethlisberger this week. Lock it up. It's going to happen. Ooh. I like that. Almost like how we were playing the Minnesota Vikings offense last year. And the Titans. Then the Titans as well with just one of one or two of those big three. Yeah. When you take away one of the big three from Pittsburgh, it kind of gets easy to project. And I see what you're seeing here between the two. Let me just do some. Yeah. Between the two, it's nearly 40 expected fantasy points per game between Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson without any quarterbacks involved. Now the salary is not low, but uh, that's a really, really interesting call, especially against a Detroit defense who, yes, their passing defense is bad, but they're susceptible everywhere. They suck. Yeah. It's not good. I mean, the way I see it is, and like, I mean, am I, am I being a little bit aggressive in saying that you win tournaments with that? Maybe. And, a lot of smart people that I've spoken to will tell you like brick and, and Alex that they're not really huge on, on taking that approach. And I get it, especially it's a low scoring game. I understand all that. Not a great offense, but there there's not like Pat Fryermuth is a good for sure. And he's been a red zone threat, but I mean, really you're not James Washington has benefited zero from like, no one's really benefited from Juju being out. It's not like Ray Ray McLeod's getting worked in a ton. Uh, You have a, 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 what's the, what's the target share for, if you have it, I thought I had it pulled up for Deontay Johnson this year. It's gotta be. Um, Yeah, I can pull it up real quick. I don't have it right now, but it, in terms of expected fantasy points, it's just, spectacularly large he's the wide receiver five right now so talking about the value of all of his targets is just through the roof yeah 29 percent target share and that's nine percent higher than chase claypool's was i do think that james washington is the natural successor in yep. this offense he's got to play more stat snaps and yes they're going to use ray ray mcleod he's more of a speedster a, a horizontal threat as they call him james washington is a vertical threat um, he's a dark bro, no doubt about it. He only shows up in 0.1% of our optimal lineups. But again, he right now is only coming in at 0.8% projected ownership. And he's a starting wide receiver on a team that is a huge favorite against a terrible defense. And when I mean terrible, I mean dead last in yards allowed per pass attempt and points allowed per play. Yeah, man. And there's no doubt that Claypool being out benefits James Washington a lot more than a slot guy like Juju being out does. But yeah, look, Najee Harris without Claypool in the lineup, Najee Harris has the second highest target share on this team. So is it crazy that these guys both produce an insane clip? No, I, I bet over 21 and a half carries for Najee Harris last game. That's a crazy number that usually is reserved only for Derek Henry. And he got 22, fortunately, by that penalty. He could see another 23, 24 carries again this week. Uh, if you just look at the amount of running back carries this season, Najee Harris has 150. Benny Snell has 10. Kalen Balaj had seven. And Anthony McFarlane has one. Crazy, crazy, crazy high percent of the backfield touches are going to Najee Harris. Uh, even if you don't want to take that approach I'm talking about, I do think Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris, and even like you said, James Washington 
could be great plays. But I love Najee this week, even though he's popular. I think he crushes. De- uh, Detroit's already allowed six passing touch or receiving touchdowns to running backs. And Deontay Johnson just has such a high target share. And now Claypool's out. Both of these guys, um, even in a low total game, Matt, I really like them against Pittsburgh or against Detroit. Yeah, me too. We got to talk about one last player, though, Pat Fryermuth, because that game happened on Monday night and these salaries had already come out, we don't see the giant boost in his salary that we probably would otherwise after that two-touchdown game down at tight end 12. He's going to be extremely popular. Uh, Right now, though, he's coming in just under 10% projected ownership, and he's in the optimal lineup just under 10% as well. So right now, leverage score hovering around zero. Uh, I think think this guy's for real. If we didn't have a player as generational as Kyle Pitts in the rookie tight end class, we would be clamoring a whole lot more about how well Pat Fryermuth has been playing this season. And even if Ebron is out or returns, I don't really think it has much of a, I think, I think there's a new sheriff in town, Matt. He earned His name it. Yeah. Goes, goes by the name of Pat Fryermuth. So <laughs> yeah, I'm awesome with you. Name. It's a great name. I still think Tommy Sweeney's the best because it just sounds so Irish. Hey, did you know he has an Irish accent? He does. Nah, but if would it surprise uh, you if he did? Tommy Sweeney. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. Oh, we'll yeah, work on it. We'll... Yeah, we should. When we say his name, we have to say it like that from now on. Anything else from, from Detroit? We didn't really talk about them much. Yeah, I mean, DeAndre Swift is getting the volume on a per game basis that you can play him at running back nine in salary 6,800. But other than Swift and maybe TJ Hawkinson, uh, does anyone really excite you on this team? Are you no. playing Khalif Raymond? Does Jamal Williams come back and give you some sort of half to habit score? I'm done with Jared Goff as a punt play option. And I'm not really excited about playing anyone against Pittsburgh's defense. Not quite as good as 2020, but still top 10 in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed that's harder for opposing our offenses yeah i'm not enthusiastic about really anything here swift is fine but matt the opportunity cost with someone like swift on this slate is insanely high that's the problem i have you know yeah you gotta get it's it's way up there 6800 and that takes you away from well that's what i mean other plays yeah that's exactly what I'm saying. It takes you away from some really, really good plays. And for that reason, I'm cool. Hey, yeah, awesome. Hall of Fame. We do this as often as we can because we love to shout you guys out. We had a whole new list of winners coming in. Jordan, do we do we get the updated one? Okay. We got all of you guys that send in your wins at awesome hof on twitter you see it right there at awesome hall of fame on twitter and include matt and myself whenever you do you don't have to but we like to see this we throw you up here we give you a free month of awesome plus platinum as well 90 dollars value when you go to awesome.com slash uh, slash avatar download the avatar whether it's on DraftKings, FanDuel, yahoo doesn't matter if you finish top three in a field of five thousand or more you can't chop it with more than three people because then we'd be out of business we will give you a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. All you got to do is tweet us at Awesome HOF with that screenshot. And, uh, you know, you get the retweets, you get the likes, you get the praise, and then you get shouted out here. And then on top of all of that, you get a free month over on the site. Every sport included, not just football, all tools included. 
uh, and a Discord with the, the premium office hours where you get the pros helping you better your game. All of that great stuff. So it doesn't matter if you entered the nickel or the quarter arcade and finished top three. We still got you. It doesn't matter. We don't discriminate against bankroll or stakes played. So let's do it. First one up on the board. You've got, um, this was a tough one for me to read. I think that's Statler, Jordan, right? Statler. Uh, $20,000 second place in the Monday night NFL gunslinger. So close to first, but we'll take 20K all day long. Congrats, man. And then Connor, this is awesome. Free bet turned into 820. Thanks, Awesome. Using the player prop tool, Matt. So use the player prop tool. There Seven big parlay. Yeah. Plus 8,181. And he hit all of them. That makes me happy. That's epic. That is so cool. I love it. And then our boy Seth. There you go. Heads up. I'm, I assume humiliating Emac qualifies for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Seth just has it out for Emac. I think it's a. I don't think it's a hateful, a hateful uh, uh, antagonism, but he definitely likes poking the bear. And then admirable Matt Bar, three hundred dollars. Congratulations to you. Second place. You get a free month. So does Nick. First place tied only with one person. Chopped two ways. Seven hundred and fifty. Thanks to the team for all the help. First win that I didn't split with 200 others. Congrats, man, with the NBA and one. Two more here. What do we got? Uh, Quinton, cross him. I know this one won't qualify me for that free month, but I took down the first NHL contest I've ever played in. Congrats, dude. $75 up top. Feels good to win tournaments. And then C-Nail, how I see it. Told you, man, change that name. I love you. Hate the name because it doesn't work in YouTube. I think he did change it. Thank you guys for all that you do. Wasn't the biggest win, but definitely a blessing. Thanks for spitting the DFS gospel and Lafay D. I finally listened and took there it is the apostrophe out of my name, my man. See now how <laughs> I see it. Congrats, dude. Five hundred dollars up top. Uh, tweet your wins at Osmo Hall of Fame. Download the avatar. Win that free month, and we'll throw you up here and brag for you. So, Matt, let's keep it going. Four games to go. Next one up: Minnesota and the Chargers. Highest total game for the 4 p.m., second highest total game for the slate, 53-point total. Chargers laying three and a half at home. What are you doing with the Minnesota Vikings this week, starting with Dalvin Cook? I'm playing them. You know, what's fun about this uh, this week is I go down the main slate every week, and I try not to look at the spreads, the totals, and I just say my gut reaction to every single game. And I went down the list, and I felt like my gut knew the winner of every single game until I got to this one. And I said, ooh. This one's pretty good. This one's pretty good. Both teams slightly underperforming their expectations. Minnesota, not the typical three and five team, a plus three point differential. And back to those Mike Zimmer ways a little bit, they're ninth in defensive expected points added per play. So if you think about the team that Zimmer and the Vikings want to be, they want to be focused around defense and Dalvin Cook. He looks like he's in an excellent spot against the chargers who are no scrubs defensively but are typically easier to exploit on the ground than through the air and with a player like dalvin cook you know at 8k in salary i'm that's not high enough where i have concerns about playing him at all his 11 percent projected ownership i think is actually going to come up as the week goes on but his percentage chance of being in the optimal is higher than that. So he has a positive leverage score, making him a solid play in cash games, in tournaments. I don't know how you get away from Dalvin Cook. 
yeah, there are some easier sort of smash spots for some offenses, but in terms of projected volume, projected efficiency, and just projections in line with salary-based expectations, Cook is one of my favorites at that premium tier running back spot. And he's going to play this week. Uh, I I don't see any way that, you know, if you've been following the story, you you know, there was speculation that Dalvin Cook was was, uh, in a domestic abuse situation where uh, he was not the aggressor and then one where he was the aggressor and then there's some screenshots and people are saying that they're photoshopped and other people are saying that they aren't. Fortunately, Matt, you and I don't need to get into that debate because, well, we just need to know if he's playing or not. I've said we're not the arbiters of morality on this show, because if we were, some people would love us. Some people would hate us. And I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I just we're polarization is one way to poke at the algorithm. It's not our way. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. People can hate us for other reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For our takes. Yeah, exactly. That's all that matters. Uh, but now, look, with especially with something like this where we literally have zero idea what's going on, all I know is that he's. I'd be shocked if he didn't play this week. And at that rate, like you said, Matt, this is a really good spot. The Chargers' run defense stinks, man. They stink. So Dalvin Cook, add him to the list of a number of really great high-end running back plays. With Jefferson and Thielen and, and Conklin, is there anybody else you want to hit on here? Yeah, you know that Jefferson can hit that ceiling game. Thielen usually gets there by catching multiple touchdowns. And usually for most normal human beings at the wide receiver position, you'd say, wow, he would never score multiple touchdowns. I would never project that. But Adam Thielen has proven himself to be a different cat in that category. Once again, well over expectation on a per game basis, almost two point two fantasy points over expected for Thielen. Jefferson's tough just because the salary is a lot higher. 7,700 on DraftKings. He's wide receiver 15 in our projection. So uh, it's, it's not a situation where you can't play him. Just the Chargers defense has been pretty good at stopping number one wideouts. Uh, I, I won't have zero of him, but he definitely has a negative leverage score. Uh, actually, both wide receivers do. I, I will say on FanDuel, they're a little bit easier to get to. Conklin's just a dart pro play for me. You can correlate it if you have other Vikings or players on the other side of this game, but otherwise I'm staying away. 20 likes to 100. I know we got everyone that hangs out, the ride or die crew on the marathon ride hangs out with us, already did so. But if you're new to the channel, you're new to the show, hit that thumbs up. We appreciate it. And uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so yet. We'll get, I mean, we'll be, we'll be a ton once this is not live and people are listening throughout the week, but wouldn't mind getting to 100 right now. It'd make me feel good. Matt, will you break down for me and the viewers a Chargers team that has a lot of options from Eckler to, I'll even throw Mike Williams in there just because he's got no ownership and everyone's down on him. Keenan Allen, monster target share. Uh, even Jared Cook at his price point. There, there's there's a lot to digest when it comes to the Chargers this week and every week. Yeah, what can we say? They are in the conversation for elite offenses, and that's not something I expected to say this early in Justin Herbert's career. Right now, in expected points added per play, the advanced metric that compares the Chargers play versus league expectation. They're seventh in the NFL, right next to teams like Dallas. 
and Indianapolis is actually creeping up there as well. Uh, they are really solid uh, on offense. And so you, of course, can play their star running back when he's 7,600 on DraftKings, running back six. Eckler has a salary, uh, excuse me, salary of running back six, but a projection of running back four, and his expected fantasy points are running back four as well. He is finally, he actually is a regression candidate, but he was way up at nine fantasy points over expected. So he's still being efficient. 4.1 fantasy points over expected per game. That's also running back four. So there's really nothing to take me away from Austin Eckler here. And then you said it too. Keenan Allen has really pulled away in the last four or five weeks from Mike Williams. We saw their opportunities sort of level in the beginning of the season. Now it's not the case. 15.8 expected fantasy points. That's wide receiver eight for Keenan Allen. Down at 11.5 for Mike Williams. That's outside the top 25 wide receivers. He got a goal line look last week. It's definitely possible that he bounces back here. But in terms of projection, Allen looks way, way better at 7K than Mike Williams at 6,600. Well, gee, welcome to Team Awesome, though, man. Actually, it looks like is that is that just a re-up, Jordan? He might be a, he might be a re-up. I can't tell because he's got a he's got my badge. I think maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Maybe they're oh, they're different, aren't they? Are they different? Oh, bronze and gold. Okay, so Walt G's new. What's up, Walt? Appreciate you joining us here. Welcome to the team, man. Appreciate you, bud. Matt. Where are you at? Fine to, to wrap up the Chargers. Where are you at on Austin Eckler compared to the rest of the running backs? Because again, you have McCaffrey, you have Harris, you have Taylor, you have Dalvin Cook. You have so many of these good options, and a couple we still haven't touched on yet. Yeah, there's no way I'm coming out. You know, I'm coming out of my Sunday with zero Austin Eckler, but I can't say he is the priority play in this. Uh, in this tier, we talked about Dalvin Cook on the other side of this game. I'll probably have a little bit more of him, but still, Eckler's showing up in 16.9% of our optimal lineups. That's fantastic. Uh, it's just that his ownership is creeping up. It's right now at 18%, creating a negative leverage score, but it's really right in line. Uh, I'll probably be at least with the field. There's no way I'm fading Eckler in this spot. Yeah. Oh, God, both running backs in this game are just really, really, really solid. So that's that. those are my two favorite spots. Like you said, Jefferson, I think guys like Jefferson and Williams at this rate, they're priced among the highest tier options. Actually, uh, Williams has come down a little bit. In large right. field tournaments, if one of those was in a winning Millie lineup, would I be shocked? No, that's kind of just the way I look at it. They're not priorities, but they're still really good with really high ceilings, and I'm never counting them out. So, all right. I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, you had a great breakdown of the Chargers. I don't even need to say anything, but we will talk Seattle and Green Bay. 49 and a half point total. Green Bay laying three and a half at home. Aaron Rodgers expected to be back in the mix here. Russell Wilson expected back on the field for the Seattle Seahawks. Going to be a fun game. Going to be a divisive one, Matt. I just want to watch some football. I just want to watch a good game. And this should be one of those for sure. Seattle getting Wilson back is huge for DK Metcalf. It's huge for Tyler Lockett. I don't see a ton being talked about with these guys, but Lockett's getting around 10% uh, projected ownership. Metcalf around 9%. 
I think that makes sense, right? Those seem like decent enough. Those seem like decent enough projections for them against a, a Green Bay secondary that's dealt with some injuries and, and some suspect play at times. Yeah, no, you can play them. They're, the Packers are just in line with the league average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. You know, I haven't really seen much in terms of them improving or getting getting worse, but I will say they are actually seventh in the NFL, seventh best in points allowed per play. So they've gotten they've gotten pretty tough. I I think that if we take all the narrative stuff, all the injury stuff aside, we would honestly be talking about this game as by far the highest total game on the slate. If all, everyone was healthy and we kind of knew what these teams had everyone at all systems go, Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers in a, sort of a must-win environment for both teams. I mean, game on. But I get why the Vegas total is low. I get why Wilson's projection is middling compared to his QB7 salary. I'm just not going to go fully away from the talent of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett with their quarterback finally back, especially Lockett, 6,500, wide receiver 15 in salary. The projection's way ahead of that. The value is really solid. So, uh, yeah, like you said, the, the ownership's creeping up, but just at 10%, we can, we can differentiate in other ways. That's not scaring me off. Me neither. No, I was saying I think, though, it's that they're not going completely overlooked. Russ, one way to do it is Russell Wilson's getting, like, no ownership himself. So, you know, I think he's around 2% or something crazy. I'm Yeah, that's true. That's too low. That's low. I like well, I like uh, Metcalf. I like Lockett. I don't even mind. I don't even mind the Seattle stack. I, I, overall, the Seattle stack I think is going to be very underutilized here. These are all good players, and Lockett's price point sixty five hundred on DraftKings. That's not crazy at all. Metcalf sixty eight. They're both sub seven K. There's a lot of other good options there. I like it. On and, and do you want to talk about the backfield? I don't really think we need too much. I know Chris Carson. Uh, is probably, I'm not sure he plays, but there's a good chance he can be back Sunday. I just don't want to play Chris Carson this week. Yeah, I don't know why, unless you're in a super large field tournament, you're playing the Seattle backfield. There's just so many things you got to get right. You got their underdogs, first of all, on the road, and we're usually not playing road underdog running backs. And then you got to guess right who gets a majority of the carries. And then they probably have to fall into the end zone two times and be super efficient on their touches to have a have-to-have-it DFS score. Hey, if you're in the millionaire maker, go ahead and play Chris Carson or Alex Collins if if Carson is out. But otherwise, I think you can leave him off your lineup. Uh, yeah, Rose, if, the, if those trades are available then yes, you absolutely take Najee Harris and Eli Mitchell for Tyler Lockett. Oh, my God. i do the Nick Chubb one and Eli Mitchell, too. But, um, yeah, that yeah. that sounds like someone yeah. who's – Yeah, right? Sounds like, sounds like collusion, if you ask me. Something, something's go, something fishy is going on. Eli Mitchell could have that job locked up for the rest of the season. I don't see why he wouldn't. Najee Harris certainly does. Two starting running backs for, you know, Lockett's going to have ceiling games, but. Dude, Najee and Najee for Lockett straight up is insanely lopsided. Add Mitchell into the mix and it's even crazy. Someone must be a Seahawks fan in that league. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about Green Bay here? 
with Rodgers returning. I, I'll give you my one piece and then have you hit on most of this team. I actually think if you need value, and this could be a slate where you do, I mentioned it on the first look show with Ben Rasa and with uh, Jordan Vanek. I think MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, is actually viable as a near-minimum salary punt because the way he gets there is on deep balls. He's still second on the team in deep targets this year, and he's only played like three games. So he is going to be used deep downfield. Aaron Rodgers will target him, even if it's not Devontae Adams' uh, volume. You still have one of the most accurate quarterbacks, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, reigning MVP. Uh, MVS to me is actually a decent dart throw, I think. If people are willing to play Nicole Hardman every week, despite constant failure, you should have no problem if you need to go. If you're going, say, two stud running backs and you're throwing like a good wide receiver in there as well, I have no problem going to MVS. So that's my one spot on this team. Of course, guys like Adams are always in play. But how do you break down the, the Packers? Well, the first thing I notice is, assuming Aaron Rodgers is back, Aaron Rodgers is at home, favored, and playing a bottom five defense in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, and he's pissed, Matt. <laughs> and he's got the anger narrative. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could play Aaron Rodgers in tournaments. I think that you could sure. do much, much worse. And honestly, I like the MVS call, but let's just contextualize it here. It takes a lot for the Green Bay offense to move away from feeding Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. And if they don't have to, they will not do so. So I still love Devontae Adams, even though his ownership is creeping up 19.7 currently in projected ownership. That is the highest wide receiver. I just think he's deserving of the most ownership amongst all wide receivers. Highest in expected fantasy points and in projection. With Rodgers, I just have absolutely no concerns about Devontae Adams. And, you know, I don't think this is going to happen. I think it's kind of silly to speculate. But if OBJ were to sign with the Packers, it would be more about Devontae Adams getting more open possibly than OBJ be having suddenly a ton of value there. Um, the last thing I'll say is Aaron Jones projection right in line with salary based expectation, as well as expected fantasy points in line with salary based expectation. While he doesn't jump off the page in this matchup as a home favorite, you can certainly play him at 6,900. I'm with you too. There's no reason they want to go away from him, but MVS did have, just below a 20% target share before he got hurt. So, you know, I think it was like 18.9%. Even if he gets four or five targets, I'm cool with that. Plus you lost Robert Tunyon for the year as well. So we'll see, maybe he'll get some shots, but for me, it's just a speculative play where I'm saying I need to open things up and that's one way to do it. All right. Two games to go, Matt. We'll get Jordan out of here by a couple minutes early. We'll try our best Philly and Denver. Um, Jalen Hurts is in trouble if you're a fantasy owner of, of Jalen Hurts. I'm telling you right now, they want to run the football. They have a 74% run play percentage over the last two games. 74%. It's crazy. And I'm not positive that this game is going to be out of control. Uh, I don't think Denver just goes up and blasts them here. So could this be a situation where you know you have a very good offensive line that can run block? And Jordan Howard and Boston Scott get a lot of work? Yeah, it could. Um, I, I'm worried right now. I think Jalen Hurts, now that Nick Sirianni realized he doesn't want to lose his job and he's not going to throw 50 times with a guy that isn't suited to throw 50 times, 
it hurts this offense quite a bit, to be honest with you. Yeah, the ceiling of this offense is down if they're going to keep playing like this. And maybe they just hate Miles Sanders because that's what it kind of looks like in terms <laughs> so of... So unfair to that guy, man. It's so unfair. I, I know that there were other reasons why they shifted towards a run-focused scheme once Sanders got hurt, but it literally looks like Sanders goes in, balls out on every touch, gets hurt, and then they're like, you know what? We should run every play. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, against Denver, who's probably not going to push the tempo and probably not going to push the score uh, last week, notwithstanding. I mean, it was impressive last week. We're, I feel like we're just glossing over the fact that they crushed Dallas at home and we just don't expect it to happen again. It won't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you it see, won't. The, the, the thing here that I really think is, in terms of the unit that is most, uh, the strongest unit in this game is probably the Denver defense. So if that's the case, I think Philly finally gets away from this super, super run-heavy scheme. I guess a little bit more balance. So I see a little bit more ceiling in Jalen Hurts, but that's really because he's got rushing upside and i'm assuming the passing starts to boost again the projection is ahead of his qb8 salary i will say that yeah that's fair uh i'll say this if you do think that's the case then you should like some pass catchers for this game i'm not saying the defense is i'm not saying this is an easy matchup against denver's defense but consider this over the last two weeks jalen hurts has only thrown the ball 31 times but Dallas Goddard has a 42% target share over those weeks. Devontae Smith has a uh, 30% target share. And then there's nobody else. Like Quez gets a couple looks and Jalen Rager might get one or two. But if you want to talk about very heavy concentration, despite the low volume, Dallas Goddard has 13 targets on 31, uh, 31 or 13 targets on 31 passes from Hertz. And, and Devontae Smith isn't far behind them. So those guys are the two clear top options. If you think Jalen Hurts is forced to throw, you might be looking at very high, highly concentrated offense if the volume goes up. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, well said. I'm glad you brought up that stat. Here's another one in that Dallas Goddard category. He has received, because the volume has been so low, the passing plays have been so low. Goddard has run an average of 14 routes per game the last two weeks. So that 13 total targets means he's seen a target on 46% of his run routes. Amazing. That is by far the most at his position in the last two weeks. That's insane. He's, yeah. Every two routes, he's getting a pass. Right. I mean, and this is without Ertz. So let's not forget that if they are forced to throw, this is a big if, if they are forced to throw, you know where the volume's going to. You can say that much. Like You know it's going to those two guys. So maybe you take some shots at them. It could also go the other way. And if that's the case, you're shit out of luck. But that's fantasy for you. I do think, Matt, that Noah Fant, assuming he's back in action this week, is a phenomenal tight end play. And I'll tell you why. First of all, I am, and, and he, there's no reason he shouldn't be back this week for what it's worth. I see his ownership at 6% right now, not high at all. The Philadelphia Eagles linebackers are awful, number one. Number two, they've been absolutely annihilated by tight end. No team has allowed more targets, receptions, fantasy points to tight ends than the Eagles, and a lot of it's not even close. Only the Chiefs have allowed more yards to tight ends. This, these, are, these are not good numbers. 
the Eagles are allowing a 76% completion rating to opposing quarterbacks, but they don't give up a ton of deep balls. So what does that mean? To me, it means that someone like Noah Fant could be in for a field day. Maybe even a great route runner in Jerry Judy, if he doesn't drop the ball, could be in for a field day. I like these chain movers this week against the Eagles, and I like 6% Noah Fant. Yeah, I think that's a really good call. I'm looking at the same things you are. And in terms of the stats I'm looking at on defense, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to specifically receiving options. That's wide receivers and tight ends. The Eagles are down at 24th in the NFL. Uh, so bottom 10 in terms of ease for opposing offenses. That That's something we want to exploit. I, I like the call of the chain movers too. Jerry Judy is someone who caught my eye as well. He is in the optimal lineup 7.9% of the time, but he has a projected ownership just under 4%, giving him a really, really solid positive leverage score. Cortland Sutton as well has that positive uh, leverage score. So I think you could go here in tournaments. Again, we've said this before, not a priority play. That's why they're under 5% ownership. But the big play upside is there. The passing game upside is there. And if the Eagles do change their philosophy to a more pass-friendly game plan just a little bit, then there's some hidden upside with this Denver team. I'm going to mention it over and over again just because the underlying metrics are so good. Yeah, I know Melvin Gordon is going anywhere, but Javante Williams is one of the most talented running backs that we aren't getting to see yet. Yeah. You're right. And Melvin just keeps getting the work, man. Just keeps <laughs> right. getting the work. I don't love a game stack here, but again, I, I Devante and, and Goddard are fine. They'll get work if they have to throw. I don't want to try and play, figure out which of the roulette players are, are going to be or the carousel of running backs. And then I like Noah Fant quite a bit. He's probably my favorite play from this game, honestly. Matt? Yeah, that's a great call. Let's wrap it up. Carolina and Arizona will get Jordan out of here. I believe you have the MMA strategy show coming up after us as well. Let me just check here. Uh, coming up at one is the, well, you got the awesome betting show on the odds channel. Check that out. Awesome channel. If you're in the betting, uh, do we not have the, Oh yeah, we do MMA strategy show with Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers. So a lot of great stuff coming up. I'm going to give you my quick synopsis and then have you close us out. Carolina, 10.5-point dogs against Arizona. Sam Darnold, this is not looking good. I mean, he's done, so you're going to get P.J. Walker. Does it make a difference at this point? Honestly, it probably doesn't. I still well, are like we, we getting Cam Newton? I think we're going to see Cam right away. You think right he starts? Away. I kind of do. Wow. I kind of do. I think he's better than P.J. Walker right now off the street. Probably, yeah. Does that hurt McCaffrey in your opinion? Because man, I do not like those goal line carries. I did not like those rushing attempts, but I like McCaffrey anyway. He's just he, Matt. He only played 49% of snaps in the first week back, but he touched the ball on like nine, 18 of the 20 or yeah, he got a look for like 18 or nine. I think it was 19 of the 28 snaps. He was on the field. So they clearly intend on using him. He's the only option I have any interest in for Carolina. But if he really comes in at sub 5%, I will be way over the field on Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Christian McCaffrey is just one of those players where I'm going to, I'm going to play him, especially when the field is not on him, until I am 
I am certain I am wrong that the ceiling game isn't there because I still feel like 35 point upside is in his range of outcomes. And I will say it might scare some people off that a rushing quarterback like Cam Newton, who obviously gets goal line carries, would take away from Christian McCaffrey. And maybe he does take away from Christian McCaffrey's absolute ceiling, but we want quarterbacks that can get running backs into the red zone so that they have chances to score touchdowns, you know, unless they're breaking off huge runs. And I think that a quarterback better than PJ Walker and honestly better than Sam Darnold's been this year can help Christian McCaffrey do that. I want Christian McCaffrey at low ownership all the time, but give me Christian McCaffrey at low ownership with a better quarterback a hundred percent of the time. Works for me, man. Uh, It does. And on the other side of this one, James Conner, Matt, you know, remember we you said that uh, like Devin Singletary's touchdown rate. So I did the math. He's averaging a touchdown for every 76 carries for his career. James Conner this season is averaging a touchdown on every 11 carries, every 11 carries craziness. But now I'm not too worried about Eno Benjamin. And I know we got to go. So there's us saying we got to be out in about a minute. James Conner, chalk or not, I still think he's a great option because you took a guy that was already a fine pass catcher but wasn't getting the work because there was a better one in Chase Edmonds. Now he's getting pass catching work, probably another 20-plus touches against the Carolina Panthers. I I know people are going to overthink this one, but I'm not sure you need to. I think James Conner is an outstanding play this week. Close us out with the Cardinals. Yep, chef's kiss there. He was already 19th in expected fantasy points per game amongst all running backs because he was getting so Crazy. much goal line work. Now he's getting all the work on a decent offense, assuming that Kyler Murray is back. DeAndre Hopkins still beat up, so you could play him, but he's really a more of a dark pro play than a player with the name brand of Hopkins is. I do think A.J. Green is going to be back. Um, I think really, honestly, Zach Ertz is a player that we got to start talking about because at the tight end position, there's just not a lot of players who have nine plus expected fantasy points, only eight to do it. And Ertz is one of them in his new role in Arizona. So with this spread out passing attack, I really like this every down running back in Connor. The price is good. And then I'm only taking dart throw chances, really. AJ Green at wide receiver 41, his salaries ahead of his projections ahead of salary based expectations. And the same for Rondell Moore at wide receiver 46, 4,400 on DraftKings. I'll go there too. Nice work as always, Matt. Great analysis. You guys survived the marathon matchup show. Go take a piss, take a nap, grab some more coffee, whatever you got to do. Appreciate you. We're two away from 100. Can we get that just before you go? Maybe tap that thumbs up. Only takes a second. But we're here, Matt. We've done it. Another good show in the books for Week 10. Appreciate you. Appreciate Jordan Klein and everyone for watching this show and hanging out with us for this two-hour stretch. MMA Strategy Show coming up next as Jordan plays me out. And on the Odds Channel, the awesome Odds Show. We'll see you back here next week. Peace. See ya. See ya.